for joining us for another episode of the Pre-Raphaelite podcast of the Pre-Raphaelite Society. My name is Sherry, and today I am joined by Stuart Eggleton. He is a London-based professional with experience in the fashion industry, having studied menswear design at art school and the London College of Fashion. He has over 10 years of background in the field and has gained valuable insights by conducting research on heritage brands, including visits to archives and the British Library. He has a strong passion for the research aspect of fashion that's driven him throughout his career. While doing his research, he's developed an interest in exploring queer identities and telling untold stories, which brings him with us today. His early work has been published in renowned international publications, including Queer Anthology. During his research, Stuart stumbled upon Simeon Solomon and has led him on an unexpected journey to the Tate and the British Library in Cambridge to explore Simeon's artwork and letters. So today I'm gonna have Stuart here to tell us a little bit about the work that's been inspired by his research into Simeon Solomon. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. And when we heard about your project, this was something we definitely wanted to include in the podcast because not only is it different as in it's not just about someone researching a painting or or writing writing about, you know, a pa- writing a paper, you take a different route to telling the story of Simeon Solomon. In November, you opened a one-night show at the Camden People's Theater, and tell us a little bit about that production. Um, so it started off by researching. Um, I came across him of Solomon when I was researching something completely different, um, another pre-Raphaelite artist. I came across him and sort of led me on a journey to kind of find out more about him and going to libraries. And I went and found all his papers at um, Cambridge and there's there at the British Library and went to see his paintings. So I didn't really know anything about him. It was just kind of stumbling across him. And I, I was researching something to write into a play um, and it kind of led me to that. So I researched it about a year, just over a year ago. Um, and I researched it when I put it aside, the Titsi Festival, which is a Jewish um, fringe festival in London, um, were looking for um, shows to put on. And I wrote to them and asked them if I could write something for it. And they supported me and they loved the idea of telling Solomon's story, who obviously is queer and Jewish. And the story hadn't been really told only it'd been told but only sort of in academic papers um and I thought it was a really good opportunity to um tell that story so we started out doing that by doing that and found a director who's um uh, Joseph Wines and um and Jonathan um uh, Forrester who played um Solomon and sort of turned it into a play and it was um it's on at the it was on at the Camden's People Theatre and it's going on hopefully next this year to other um theatres. That is amazing. So as you mentioned, you stumbled into Solomon and you mentioned that you had been looking at another artist. What uh drew you into wanting to know more about Solomon? I I came across him and there was different accounts of his life and he was obviously 
a great artist and I'd not really heard of him and that kind of led me to want to know more about him and he'd been persecuted in his life and it it turned out he hadn't been just persecuted once it was like multiple times and it was because he was queer and he'd gone from such great heights to being sort of desolate kind of just know, not desolate, but kind of being homeless and living in the workhouse and it was just an incredible story of this kind of man that was a genius and went on to sort of being being nothing and 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 then worse than that his paintings were sort of just forgotten and up until 10 20 years ago they weren't on display anywhere they weren't sort of collected they they weren't they weren't out there so it was really interesting to look at him and find out more about him and hopefully others you know we'll learn more about it from the play and there was also a podcast at the, uh, on christmas day um the um uh, bad gays podcast has done a podcast about him and things so so people are finding out about him since you know even i started so it's really nice that he's he's living again so people are learning about it I think that's one of the greatest parts of what researchers and writers and academics do is they bring find these people who were forgotten in history with really critical stories that still still resonate with today's society. And Solomon, I think, is definitely one of those that, as you said, he had so much potential, this genius, I mean, his works were so amazing when he was just a teen and he was yeah. getting all this acclaim and all this fanfare. And then for to have, see someone's life just take such a, you know, horrible turn. And like you mentioned, not just once, it was just that snowball effect every, you know, like he just couldn't get up from it and, no. and how people reacted to it then, but also how people react to it now. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a it's a great lesson, but also I love seeing these stories of these people who 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 sort of got brushed by the wayside and they weren't that big, you know, blockbuster name and finally getting the attention they deserve. Um But he was he was pushed down so many times, but his art cha changed, became it was very religious and then became uh, kind of developed and he developed his own style that you can't really pin on anyone else. It's uh, later mm -hmm. in his career when he's he's homeless or living in quite hard conditions and he's still painting and drawing and he's um and he's created something that's beautiful and it's it's he's still trying and still creating his whole life even when he can't afford paint or you know anything so it's... I that and I think that's a big point with Solomon is people think you know when the when the thing all the negative aspects of his life started that he like his art career ended yeah and, and it's no it didn't end it changed a lot yeah. and but even in the workhouse, he was finding supplies. You know, some people were still trying to help him, and and his and... his family were giving him paints mm -hmm. or paper or what they could, and he was accepting it and not accepting it. So he he was rebelling, still rebelling against them, it seems, and he you know taking taking what he could and producing what he can from from mm -hmm. that. It, it's definitely a complicated story. 
So with your play, I know it was only one act. So were you, how far into Solomon's story were you able to go? So the original, the original play that was on in November, we go up to the point where he is um, convicted um, and he is then his, um, his uncle Maya gives him the um, uh, money to, um, to be free. And then it, it finishes, but the, from feedback and thing we've got back from that play, uh, we've got, we're extending that to the point where it's nearly the end of his life. So it will be the last six months of his life. Oh, that's amazing. So is it going to be two acts then? No, it'd be one act. It's still a short play because gotcha. it's a one person play. So it's still it's still short, <laughs> but it will it will um, feature most of the big events later in his life. Most. That's, that's <laughs> great that you're able to get that opportunity to expand on the story from feedback. And what were some of the challenges you faced while you were writing this play about Solomon? Um, I think it was, I think one of the things was like wondering like how he would speak and how he would act because obviously we're in, uh, you know, 2024 and it's like, how would he have spoken to an audience? Because the audience is sort of a Monday audience and it's how would he react to them, them and how they react to him. So it was more like thinking how, who he was addressing, um, that was kind of, questioning that and how he mm -hmm. would speak as well because obviously he is with the great and good of of um of the pre-raphaelite era and the victorian time and then he's he's from a different background to them and it's like how would he have um behaved around them and also like how would he be spoken so i'm just kind of looking at that which was always interesting i i <laughs> i could see that because you want him to be that trueness to his voice but also relatable like where you don't lose it in translation from a victorian era speech or you know i i don't know how how he would have related information to a modern day audience to uh lose anything in translation i i can yeah. imagine that that would be hard so it's kind of trying to do that. And we tried to do that. I tried to do that through emotion, trying to show how he would have reacted to events around him going on. So trying to kind of not yeah. <laughs> explain. <laughs> what were, um, so we said challenges, but what was something that just seemed to come, fall into place easily with the, with the play? So we uh, auditioned I, with the director, Joseph I, we auditioned some actors and um, we met a few. And and then Jonathan um, Forrester spoke and he, he spoke, he did the lines that we gave him. And as soon as he opened his mouth and said the first line, it kind of came alive and kind of was like, oh, that's Solomon. Um, and you know obviously he's not Solomon but and doesn't look 100% like him but the way he spoke and the way he delivered the lines was like mm -hmm. oh that's him and it was kind of he came alive and it was really nice to kind of see that and it was really like I had to put it was a zoom call like this and I had to put my hand over my mouth because I didn't want to smile too much <laughs> <laughs> and jinx it rather in case Joseph like thought oh no he's not so <laughs> right right it's like how do I react and not react and yeah, definitely. It was like, like I, I, can't I don't, want, I don't want to wreck this moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to jinx it. I just, you know, he is what he is. <laughs> right, right. No, that I, I can imagine because it's like, 
that's it. That that's what I heard. Yeah, you know, like what I envisioned in my head. Yeah, you know, like it. This is this is the right person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's an amazing. I and I know I'm sure that gave you some momentum moving forward to like okay, this is this is happening. <laughs> yeah it was like this is happening and we're going into rehearsals in like a week or two and it was sort of like then it was all sort of all guns blazing and we had to go on and do it so yeah mm -hmm. it came alive and kind of a bit scary it was kind of going um, on so with uh since there is luckily so much information available um through letters and documents and everything um about um just people in the Victorian age, were you able to find a lot of information about Solomon that was readily available through like the libraries or archives? Yeah, there's lots of wonderful um, PhDs been written about Solomon. So there's lots of incredible information uh, about his life. And luckily there's still a lot of his letters around um, to um, Browning and there's obviously the swim um there's some to swim from Swinburne um in the British Library. Um and I was able to then go to like Browning's biography and the and look at events that happened and he describes and then I've transferred those to what Solomon would have experienced um using that information. Um so there was lots and lots to kind of look at and um sort of review. So it was really good. Um, so lots and lots out there <laughs> is that uh, that's helpful and and I what I wasn't sure exactly you know like because of Simeon's situation if there was as much available as say someone who wasn't you know in a workhouse or you know in harder conditions where there's all these letters are prolific and stuff there, there's lots out there it's probably not prolific but there's lots of whole there's lots of gaps in in the information so we know lots but we don't know mm -hmm. everything so there's lots of things we don't know and right. obviously we have to use artistic license to fill in those gaps unfortunately so um, but I mean I, I love that you were like okay I know this and Browning was here like how like how did these pieces possibly fit together to make a, a good connection between you know yeah events to help fill in we know what like we we know where Rossetti was or where Swinburne was or where Browning was so if there wasn't if there wasn't information um on Solomon I could look at other people and try to understand if they were at the same party or and mm -hmm. how's that party described by Rossetti or um or um by De Maurier or someone to kind of to understand it so you know trying to use that as inspiration to write the play so and then and then lo looking at PhDs and there's people like um Caroline Conway that wrote a, a PhD on Solomon and then she talks about the arrest documents that describe the court case and then being able to go to the um the um, Metropolitan Archive in the City of London and actually finding the original papers that was really exciting, like actually getting going there and finding them. And it took ages. There was a whole massive wad of papers and it was I was nearly getting to the end and there was this final uh, document and it was there and it had everything <laughs> in it. So really good to see the actual document, the gruesome details in the, in the document. Right. Anyway.
But it almost seems like it was waiting for you, like, okay, I'm going to make him wait while I, he goes through everything else. Almost gives yeah. up hope. <laughs> It's nearly like I've nearly got to go. I've nearly got to go. It's like got onto another other meeting, but it was like mm -hmm. oh, and I found it. It was like great. So that's that's amazing. Um, we're really fortunate that so much has been preserved to help us fill in those gaps and and actually where you know it's the hard truth versus so and so said this and you know or Rossetti said this, Swinburne said this. We have this from Du Maurier and. We're hoping somewhere in the middle of all three of these stories or something is somewhat the truth. But when you have it right there on paper, you know, like oh, yeah. hard proof, you know, like that is what happened. That was the date, the time, you know, the details. And people care, you know, the people that have done PhDs, they found all these documents and they've documented them. So they're, they're out there for everyone to go and look at. Mm -hmm. so it's like, which is great. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's helpful because at least then you're like, okay, so it was last seen at the Metropolitan or it was last seen, you know, in this archive or that archive and and gives you a, a starting point to start tracking stuff down. Um, So with the new, with you being able to work on this production further, what are your future plans with it? So we're hoping it, to take it into uh, another theatre in London, which hopefully will be announced soon. So we'll be able to do that. So, but if anyone else would like it to come to their city, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, you know, Solomon can rise again. Um, yeah, so we're developing at the moment. So it's slightly longer and slightly more detailed in the latter half is like very much so we're telling that story so kind of finishing off you'll have to keep us updated with uh when you have more information about future productions of future instances of your play uh being produced we will uh, do with your interest being drawn into the pre-raphaelites are there certain what what drew you originally, not necessarily to Solomon, but just into being interested in the pre-Raphaelites? Um, be truthful, when I was much younger, I used to go to galleries and think the pre-Raphaelites were slightly boring and I didn't really enjoy them much. But as I guess I get older, I found found their paintings more interesting. And then by looking at their paintings, I've been able to research them. And they have they had these more colorful lives than I think I've le learned before. So, you know, learning about sort of Rossetti's lifestyle and his and everyone around sort of Solomon has kind of added a lot more color to their lives, uh, to their stories. And I'm much more interested in in them. They're sort of they're kind of fun Victorians rather than the kind of good gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> sort of broke the mold on. <laughs> On yeah, that image all... of the proper Victorian, and they're all a bit naughty. All the ones I like now do are oh. right, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and have wild lives that I don't think when you go to the tape you don't always know. Uh, and when you kind of learn more about them, they you know they have sort of more interesting. De definitely, <laughs> yeah. I don't see. Um the didactics and plaques at the you know most museums like well let me tell you a little bit more about who this mom yeah like 
who this was, who the artist was, and there always seems to be hints to stuff, but not, you know, like, flat out, let me give you the juicy details. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why is these models all looking the same with red hair? And they're also, there's the same model, it's appearing in different artists, artist's mm -hmm. work and who was she and I think we're learning more about that uh, through exhibitions like um but Whistler yeah. exhibition at the Royal Academy did explain explain why we're seeing certain models and things so it's interesting I I think that's a uh fun part that's coming out as you mentioned current exhibitions is we're getting more than just here's the painting it's of so yeah like it's Ophelia or it's you know Titania or whatever character they have them as it's now this is you know Elizabeth Sedell as Ophelia and you know she was the model for you know this and she was an artist in her own right and then uh, you know yeah. a poet and and we're actually getting these backgrounds and I think it adds so much more depth to the works when you look and, at it, because it's a whole story now versus just a one moment in time picture. Yeah, and it's like the Rossetti exhibition at the end, there was Fanny Eaton and, and you know, you can link her to Solomon and you can link her to um, the Royal Academy and the um, and Rossetti and all the people that she she modeled for mm -hmm. coming, coming. So it's and telling her story about her, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure for someone who's a playwright too, you see the stories coming out. It just expands in your mind completely differently yeah. than. <laughs> and, and then you read the letters, and then you can learn about you know how how cheeky they are, or how um how what they're up to, um, which is really fun, like learning mm -hmm. and how they speak. And you know, obviously, they might not speak the same as how they write, but it's kind of learning, you know, what kind of character they were more than just just their work definitely um so beyond Solomon are there other people you want to focus on for future productions or future research um so I'm uh working on a play at the moment um about Archibald Wakeley who was one of the young um sort of followers of the pre-Raphaelites and he was murdered in London in 1906 so I'm writing about him at the moment and so that's probably the most Raphaelite thing <laughs> at the moment. obviously Solomon which is carrying on <laughs> mm -hmm. great um so one of my favorite questions I always ask is um what is your favorite pre-Raphaelite work and it doesn't have to be a painting it could be a novel a poem in any work from any of the pre-Raphaelites uh, I think it would have to be Solomon's work uh, um, because I probably know more about him. But uh, The Moon and the Sleep, um, which is at the Tate uh, Britain at the moment on the permanent, in the permanent display. Um, I went to see it and I've seen it. I've gone to see it multiple times by, um, while writing Solomon. Um, so it's a short trip from my house to go and see it. So I go and see it regularly and it makes me smile because... As you learn about him, you learn that he probably painted it in the workhouse and it was, you know, later on in his life and you can see how his work developed by that picture. And I think it's such a beautiful painting that I, I really enjoy seeing it. So, yeah, I'm of it and the, the kind of 
the kind of blur to the background and the colors and things so unlike other people's work at that time so that's why I enjoy that that's a great example and and I love that it's one of those that is close to you so you're able to go and visit it often in person versus I look at it on my computer every day or in a book or <laughs> oh no I've got multiple pictures of it on my phone but I I go and see it every so often I pop and see it when I'm uh, ever in the Tate I go and see it like I I'll go and see other paintings like Race Day, it's a Derby Day uh, at the Tate. I go and see that. But there's certain pictures I go and see, and that's one of my pictures I, I go and visit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I understand doing that. And there's stuff where I work that when I'm in certain buildings, I'm like, okay, I've got five minutes. I can run up there, you know, run up to the gallery and see this one. And, and like you said, it just makes you smile or it just brings some reaction to you. And and it's just even a moment of, yeah, like in person. And it, it's great to hear when other people have that same reaction to art. And, and how they all interact. And, you know, you know everyone through art history has, is kind of a journey and, and how they've always influenced each other. Even if you don't appreciate the pre-Raphaelites, they've influenced other artists and other artists mm -hmm. have influenced them. So they're a part of a big jigsaw of art history. So... So definitely definitely well i appreciate you sitting down with me today and definitely keep us updated uh when the updated solomon play opens we will make sure we get that out to our listeners and to our society members so that we can make sure you have plenty of people in the audience thank and, you very uh, much we look forward to hearing from you soon Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you for listening to another episode of the Pre-Raphaelite podcast of the Pre-Raphaelite Society. Please like or follow us on your favorite place to listen to your podcasts. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Mm -hmm.